Crafty Muso. Proudly supported by John Reynolds Music. Hey guys, Andy here for CraftyMuso.com and I have with me session guitarist Dylan Welsh from Seattle in the United States. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Dylan? Sure. Um, I uh, started uh, playing in clubs and whatnot pretty early. I was about 13. Um, just cover groups uh, for bars and dances and whatnot. And then when I finished uh, uh, school, I went to Berkeley College of Music for a year. And now I'm back in Seattle, um, basically just trying to make as best of a living as I can from uh, playing guitar. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Actually, you mentioned, so you went to uh, Berkeley uh, for the year. That's a quite a, you know, a lot of people, you know, at least from Australia, would love to, uh, you know, have that experience. Um, could you run us through uh, what it meant for you, like how it changed you as a player? Yeah, Berkeley was incredibly important for me. I mean, even though I was only there a year, I got so much out of it just because um, I never really understood what exactly goes into being a professional level player as far as skill goes. I'd never really witnessed anything like that. And going there, seeing you know not only the instructors, but the peers um, who are at that level and operating at that level and seeing what it was that they know and how they how they learned their the skills but also not just the skills but the mindset mm -hmm. that was an incredibly eye-opening experience for me um and basically kind of gave me the drive to it gave me a direction you know so it, you know now that i've witnessed it i can you know i say okay well that's where i need to be and now i know how to get there and it was just really invigorating uh invigorating and um really gave me the the drive and direction to kind of keep pushing forward and make this happen yeah, definitely. That's yeah. I mean, hopefully, I'll, I'll spend a year there at some point in my um career, which would be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so you you did the um the course in at Berkeley, and then you came back to Seattle. How did you start getting involved in uh, in session work in Seattle? What was you know your first steps, I guess, from there? Well, I mean, it was difficult because when I f when I first knew I was going to move home, I, I was excited at first to to play with all my old friends and my old contacts and the people my age. Mm -hmm. And when I got back, I pretty much immediately realized that that network was gone because all my friends had gone off to their own respective music schools and mm -hmm. they were all still there. And suddenly now I'm the only one back. And so I had to essentially rebuild my network from scratch. Um, and that honestly, um, it just, I just kept an eye out, um, on the local classifieds. I, um, I, you know, I reached out to the few people I still, you know, knew and just let them know that I was back and I was available. Mm -hmm. And then, um, just, yeah, just tried to get visible. Cause that's, you know, that's what I learned at Berkeley is that, you know, if you're visible, I mean, that's really what, what it comes down to. You just have to be visible. And so I just tried to get involved with as many different bands as I could just so I was, um, I could be seen on stage and, you know, meet new musicians because I, yeah, I didn't really know very many people after I got home, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a good point, just um, the visibility thing. So what were some more specific things you did to do that? So you, you mentioned um, some uh, classifieds, I guess, like Craigslist and stuff like that or... Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, you would be surprised 
you know, depending on where you live, some of the gigs you can find off Craigslist, um, some of my, actually some of my most lucrative, um, lucrative gigs and sessions have come from just being, you know, looking at Craigslist every day and, you know, I might, you know, being the first one to respond to certain gigs. Mm. Sometimes, you know, sometimes people need players last minute and they, and no one they know is available. And so they get desperate, mm-hmm. put an ad up and, uh, I <laughs> tend to sw- sweep those up pretty quickly because I check usually once a day. Yeah, that's, that's and, a good point. Uh, yeah. That was really that was really helpful, you know, because at Berkeley we have our own sort of classifieds, the Berkeley Music Network for just sort of local Boston gigs. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, I did really well taking gigs from that. And so I sort of, you know, I tried to find something similar here, which unfortunately was limited to Craigslist. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah. Um, did you kind of... You know, working cover bands. yeah. So, sorry, um, I think I think it cut out for a little a little second oh. there. I'm sorry if I cut you off. Um, nope. Yeah, uh, well, I was going to ask. Um, did you kind of bring a portfolio across from Berkeley to kind of show to people in Seattle? Um, you know, I I have you know I was able to get some good audio clips. I was able to get some good things to put on my resume. Mm-hmm. And basically, as soon as I got home, I built myself a little website that I could just send people that had you know basically everything you'd need to see on it, mm-hmm. um, you know, playing samples and uh, resume and a bio and all of that. Yep. Um, and I used, I used a lot of the things I, I, um, I gathered at Berkeley, you know, the content I gathered at Berkeley, some audio content, yep. resume points, um, nothing specific from Berkeley, okay. um, like a portfolio exclusively from Berkeley, but just over yep. my time as a player. Of course. It's funny uh, that you mentioned, you know, creating a website with all the content that, you know, someone would, uh, a prospective, you know, employer or whatever would see because I actually did an interview with a um, a marketer and kind of PR person uh, about three days ago and she talked about, you know, the lack of bands that actually, or bands or musicians that have, you know, their own website where everything's just there, you know, you don't have to follow all these other links to other places because that, you know, you lose the attention of whoever you're trying to gain the attention of as soon as they start fishing around for information, right? Well, absolutely. You want to make it as easy as possible, you know. Um, People, you know, these days, you know, everything moves so fast, you know, time really is money. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's why, you know, on my website, I've got my contact information on every single page I've got, you know, I, you know, I mean, I've got, you know, I try to make it as easy as possible for people to, um, find me and access me. You know, I've worked a lot with a search engine, well, not a lot, I'd say, but I've, I spent time, you know, doing search engine optimization on my page. And Mm -hmm. so now, I mean, on Google, I think last time I checked, I was on the first page of Google. If you type in Seattle session guitarist. Wow, nice. Yeah. And I don't, and I'm not even getting as much work as a lot of these guys. I just know how to, you know, I, t- I took the time mm-hmm. to actually, you know, work the web and, you know, play the web game. And that's, that's a, you know, that's a big thing. You know, you have to learn how to do that. Definitely. And you'd be surprised that it's uh, probably a lot easier, like people will probably find that it's actually a lot easier than you imagine in the first place. Like it's not easy, but um, it's not hard at the same time, you know? Well, it's it's more than anything. It's kind of tedious and time consuming, but mm. it's not. It, I I yeah, I wouldn't say difficult at all. Like um, I spent, you know, I spent a good number of hours just putting the website together to begin with and doing the search engine business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do spend, you know, time maintaining it, you know, every week. 
but um but time is really all it took you know it, it yeah. wasn't difficult that's it so um with the uh, the session work, so you uh, you do um, studio work as well as uh, a lot of live work. Um, what are some uh, three vital skills that you find help in uh, in those environments uh, as a as a guitarist or as a musician in general? Um, well, I mean, the first, honestly, I'd say you just you have to have good ears. You know, you have to spend time really developing your ears. Um, and developing your ears so that they can react quickly, you know, just, you know, a lot of the time, you know, these days, you know, you're, you know, it's a lot easier to learn to read music and to write music through the programs that are available. And so it's true that you're like, maybe more likely than you used to be to have to read a chart on a session. But I'd, you know, I'd say nine times out of 10, you know, I just, you know, it's, uh, I show up and they play me the track and say, okay, figure something out. You know, what do you hear? <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, and on stage too, you know, there's times where I don't really have time to learn the songs very well. You know, I might get three days notice to learn 40 songs. Right. And so, you know, you just have to have good ears and be able to react, um, you know, to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, for, of course there's, you know, multitudes of other reasons I could list off. Um, yeah, we might go into that in the next question, but keep going, yeah. Sure. Um, additionally, I mean, you have to be, and this is, this is kind of a given and something that's been preached all over, but you have to be just really easy to work with and, you know, a good hang. Yeah. You know, I might, you know, when I, when I call people for gigs, it's because it's people that I like to hang out with and I know I'm going to have a good time playing with. And they uh-huh. might not even be the best player that I know, um, but I know I'm going to have a fun time and that's what I really care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plus, you know, easy to work with also comes down to being really open to taking criticism because that's hard for some people. You know, it can, it can be hard to come up with what you think is a really cool part on a track to be completely shot down and say, no, that's not going to work. Do something different. That's right. Yeah, I think I mean, and that's that's happened to me. I've you know, I've I've tried to, you know, put stuff onto a track and you know it's it's not working and i've even at times listened to the final product and find that they've almost completely altered the track in the studio anyway (laughs) (laughs) and you just kind of have to get your ego out of the picture and just you know be okay with that and being easy to work with (laughs) yeah detach your work from your from your ego right yeah right um third third skill um have you know honestly for me it's been having perspective as far as the the rest of the group the rest of the band like for me growing up i i just wanted to play i didn't care what i was playing and so i learned all kinds of different instruments to play in whatever bands i could get into mm-hmm. and that was a you know in hindsight i really am glad that i did that even though i'm really marketing myself as a guitar player right now mm-hmm. Um, having the experience, having played drums and bands and played bass and bands and, you know, um, has really, and, you know, composed for bands, written for bands has really given me a lot of perspective as, you know, to what my job really is and how to not overstep boundaries and step on people's toes. Yeah, that's a, a um, and plus, you know, it's, it's good. It's nice to be able to take some time and play a different instrument and have fun with it. It's invigorating and there's a lot to learn from that aside, um, so I'd say, you know, even even if it's just, you know, just spend just enough time on on a different instrument to get um 
to get competent on it to the point where you could play in a group and play with some people and just have some fun because you can really get a lot of great perspective from that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So um, just going back to the, uh, the we'll call it oral skills, you know, your listening and um, your ears. Uh, were there any uh, particular things that you did to kind of work on that or was it more just, uh, you know, accrued over time playing in different bands and um, being aware that, you know, uh, you should be listening uh, in that broader sense? Well, I mean, it, it, both. Ears, you know, your your ears and your hearing and your listening are, are te- is a, it is a technical skill that needs to be practiced and developed um, consciously. And I didn't really understand that until I went to music school and I was, you know, I was in an ear training class, you know, mm-hmm. every day. And... Um, just sort of learning how to identify, okay, you know, intervals and chord types and uh, say, you know, you hit a chord and you can go, oh, they just went to the five chord, you know, and just, you know, understanding how to translate what you hear into something tangible that you can then put onto your instrument. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I mean, the best way to do that is to just, just figure out, you know, learn songs by ear. I stopped, you know, when I was a teenager, I used Tablisher all the time being a yeah. guitar player. I don't, I don't anymore just because I, I don't really need to so much anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's also just good practice and it keeps me sharp. You know, if I, if I hear a sound on the radio, you know, a, a chord progression or a chord movement or a particular sort of color, I, you know, I'll make a mental note of it and try to remember what the track was so I can go back and try and figure it out. So, mm. you know, I know, okay, that sound means this <laughs> yeah um and just you know having that vocabulary of sounds in your head you know knowing what a, a two five one progression sounds like or knowing what knowing what a five chord sounds like or you know knowing what a what a ninth extension sounds like versus a flat ninth extension things like that depending on obviously what kind of music you're playing but yeah yeah um, stuff like that you know it's it it's important and it really just kind of helps you, you know, like I said, in a situation where you might not know the songs very well, mm. you know, you'll be able to know, you know, say, you know, if you make a mistake, you should be able to correct it immediately to the point where no one would even notice. Ideally. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, um, when I was, uh, I, I, you, we, we, this is the first time that we've really talked to each other about, you know, things that we do, but I actually did a, um, a degree, here in Adelaide on on jazz bass so that's kind of my background um and I would do this thing where um to train my ear I'd put on you, you probably know the software um like IRLB or um IRL Pro right. what they call it nowadays and I just Absolutely. pick a, sorry yeah and I just pick a random um a random tune you know flip it around the other side start the play along and then just try and work out what the chord progression was you know by by hearing it and um you know obviously i'd fluff up a lot because jazz standards can be kind of interesting <laughs> at times yes. harmonically but um yeah that's that's one thing that i did so maybe the listeners uh could try that out for themselves as a or, and yeah it doesn't even have to be a jazz tune you know starting simple is great start with the pop tunes you hear on the radio yep and uh yeah i mean because you find you know the more the more and more you dig into what songs are made out of the more similarities you find and you start to realize you know certain elements that define particular genres to the point where you can almost just get on a gig and guess and get it right (laughs) (laughs) just yeah based on uh previous experience yeah 
you know, I had a, I had a te- I had a great teacher at Berkeley who would, um, he would talk about how he, you know, got this gig in Stockholm once and he never had heard, you know, he had never heard the tunes before and had to step on stage and play these tunes. And he just, you know, knew using his background and his experience and his ears mm-hmm. basically f- figured out the songs on stage and did fine because he had that experience and that practice. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we'll go, get, go a bit more um, guitar specific now. Um, so, what's your approach to uh, your instrument? Well, not not specifically instrument, but the type of instrument you use on a session. Is there a um, maybe a particular brand of guitar or style of guitar that you use a lot of um, or use on a lot of sessions? Uh, what's the kind of vibe there? Well, I mean, I play I play a lot of different styles of music, and I play a lot, which basically means I have to have guitars that are versatile and that are high quality and not going to fall apart on me on the gig. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for years when I was younger, before I could afford expensive guitars, I basically just took cheaper, you know, import guitars and hot rodded them and modified them to the point where they were useful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm playing a, um, I've got a Paul Reed Smith, uh, the David Grissom model, which I use for basically any sort of rock related gig. Um, and then I've got a, I've got a, uh, a GNL Telecaster style guitar, which is, it's kind of a weirdo because I had it custom, custom built to my specs. It's got a humbucker in the neck. And it's uh, semi-hollow, actually. Um, so basically, I use that for, um, you know, like, you know, typical country twangy kind of Telecaster sounds. But I can also get really good contemporary jazz sounds out of it, yeah. Larry Carlton style. And so I, I sort of use that guitar for a lot of different kind of things. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I have an arch top as well for when I need to play a more traditional kind of straight ahead jazz gig. Mm-hmm. Those are sort of my three main workhorse instruments. I've got, you know, I've got a few acoustics and a nylon string as well, but really those are the three instruments that are getting the most use for me right now. Okay, so you you find that the uh, the acoustics on sessions or on gigs uh, kind of aren't as frequent as the uh, electric options. Well, pr- yeah, I mean, I'm primarily an electric uh, an electric player, and usually if I get called to go do a session. Um, the studio will have a nicer acoustic than I have, and they'll want me to play that one anyway. Okay, right. Uh, you know, depending on the studio, obviously, but the mm-hmm. studios I play in, that's generally been the case. I've got, you know, I've got a little, uh, one of the little Taylor parlor-sized guitars, which is good right. for live work because it doesn't feed back so much. Yeah, and it's super portable. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, very, very easy to c- carry around. But, you know, it's not, you know, it's not like a, you know, $10,000 Martin or anything by any means, like some <laughs> studios have. Yeah, of course. Cool. Um, and then uh, one last question to, to leave you with, um, kind of maybe not specifically related to music, but just uh, uh, in terms of drive and kind of ambition and stuff. Are there any uh, books or maybe even movies, uh, any kind of uh, media or um, kind of yeah form of anything that inspires you or inspired you or continues to inspire you? Uh, Quite a broad question, but <laughs> right. Well, yeah. There's, um, I mean, for one, something that everyone has access to is YouTube, and I've found that um, piano player and educator named Hal Grauper has um, a lot of videos on YouTube of um, just lectures that he's done at various colleges about you know sort of the mindset you need to take when approaching your instrument, and those were incredibly inspirational for me. Um, 
then there's also um, there's a book. God, I can't remember who wrote it right now, but it's a book called Effortless Mastery. Oh, uh, yeah, another one. Yeah. Uh, Which is, yeah, that's someone a very... Someone or something like that? I'm sorry? Yeah, I think it's someone Kerner or something like that, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a he's a pretty, in the States at least, a pretty popular jazz pianist, but I, I mm-hmm. the name escapes me. But that's, that's definitely a, a very necessary read, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, uh, for more... For more guitar-specific yep. reading, uh, Ted Green's books. I'm a huge Ted Green fan, and um, he's got a few books that are very, very um, important for guitar players. Specifically, his book called Modern Chord Progressions. Um, as a supplement, he's got a book called Chord Chemistry, which is just about every single voicing of every single chord you could ever find on the guitar. That's a little <laughs> overwhelming, but I like to use it as a reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, but all of his books are incredible. He was one of the best best guitar educators in in, I mean, in the states mm-hmm. before he died. Um, yeah, though that's great literature. All right, great. Well, um, thanks for joining me, Dylan. And um, yeah, all the best for you know future pursuits. And yeah, thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.